1: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com, BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshman.
0: And I'm Eben Novi williams and this is the Sports Law Roundup Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast.
1: All right, I'll give you an okay for that. It's just so literal. You know, Mike, I, I want him to be creative and give me some good intro. The, I mean, the sports law around, I mean, it's just so literal as to what we're about to do. The, the clearest indication that we have Mike McCann with us. And Mike, you I'm, I'm sure you've heard me say on the podcast, when people ask my opinion for sports law matters, I say, I'll let you know what I think as soon as Mike tells me what I'm supposed to think. <laughs> Th- that, that's the way I do it. So uh, what am I supposed to make of this Aaron Rodgers situation, the immunized... Versus vaccinated versus did he violate protocol? Doesn't seem so. But what catches your attention? What do you think we should be discussing? Well, one is, and this is maybe a little bit less legal, but just sort of
2: journalism that nobody had a follow up question to him when he changed the verb, right? Where the question was about are you vaccinated, and he answered it by saying, "Yeah, I've been immunized." So that was an intentional thing, right? People don't change a sentence from a question so that that to me was interesting that he just didn't that there was no follow-up i mean that 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 struck me as sort of clearly grounds for a, a point of clarification but i assume he means natural immunity and from his vantage point he feels like he's protected against the virus of course that didn't turn out to be correct but there's that issue and then there's the issue of what did he tell the team and if he failed to comply with the with the vaccination requirement that the League and the Players Association came up with. There are all sorts of rules about wearing a mask and other steps that players who aren't vaccinated have to follow. He could be fined for them. Uh, so there's that. And then he could appeal it. But I, I imagine that if he is fined, then it, it probably would be the end of it. He, he w- is not vaccinated, at least based on the reporting.
1: We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon. And near as I can tell from what I've been scanning in preparation to talk to you is that he did not violate any protocols. When he was in the team training facility, he would wear a mask. Uh, The NFL knew he was not vaccinated. The team knew he was not vaccinated. The only question, and you wonder if it really just was a public relations, media relations thing, Was I would certainly say he would be guilty of obfuscation, if nothing else. He knew the intent of the question, are you vaccinated? And Eben knows this very well. I like to say I went to the University of David Stern Law School. I didn't go to law school like you did, Mike, but I went to the University of David Stern. And David taught me a a hard lesson long ago. I had asked him, David, did you do something? And he said, no, I didn't. And a source had told me otherwise. So the next day, exactly what I asked David had been released, came out. And I went back to David. I said, David, I asked you if you did this. He said, I didn't do it. Russ Granick did. And he looked at me, said, I'll never lie to you. But Scott, you need to ask the question you want answered. I gave him wiggle room. He didn't lie. I said, did you? And he said, no, I did not. Now, the question should have been, did you, anybody in the employee of the NBA or anybody representing the NBA do? That's the proper question. So I was, I was kind of happy. I would think that you, as a law professor, would sort of enjoy the mental gymnastics of Aaron Rodgers. And, and maybe this is a lesson to, to students. It's just that. Ask the question you want answered.
2: Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And, and I give him credit for sort of, I don't want to say getting away with it because it sounds like it's some sort of you know, grave injustice. But really, he did get away with not answering the question. The question, he substituted a word. And I think if you're a law student, if you're a journalism student, and if you ask a question and the person does that, if they change the verb, I mean, verbs are really intentional words, right? They have all sorts of definitions. And in this context, we know that immunized means not only a vaccine, but also natural immunity. I think the duty was on the reporters in the room to clarify that. And maybe they didn't care. Maybe they just thought, well, whatever, it probably means vaccination, but people don't change verbs like that. that. That's, and this is someone, what, that, that has, that, that's pretty sophisticated as a, as a person. So I think that would have, should have given someone a red flag.
0: Taking a step back here for a second, and, and, and we're recording this j- just a few hours after this has broken, so it's unclear exactly how big a story this is going to be. This feels to me like it's it's a worse nightmare for the NFL. We saw in the NBA with Kyrie Irving how polarizing this idea of an athlete getting vaccinated, not being vaccinated, refusing to be vaccinated, how polarizing that can be. And now in the middle of the season, the NFL seems to be setting itself up for having its own version of that whole conversation, which I'm not going to... It certainly divided NBA fans. It's going to divide NFL fans. You're seeing it already on Twitter. People that are defending him. People that are angry about him. People that are feel like he lied. People feel like he obfuscated. This just seems like exactly the kind of conversation the NBA does not want to have around one of its biggest stars in the middle of a season.
2: Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, we know that this conversation is never good, right? Because people feel really strongly about this. Uh, it's affecting elections that are that have national implications. I mean, this whole should you be vaccinated really that core question and is it how big of a deal is it if you're not yeah that's that's not a conversation that the nfl wants it doesn't it doesn't reach an answer that's going to really pacify everyone involved so yeah i know i agree with you Evan. I, I don't i don't see the nfl maybe maybe it turns out that this isn't a big story because if he if as scott said it sounds like he complied with the rules so that should eliminate some of the controversy if that proves to be true. But and also the fact that there are so many NFL players and there are others in his position that weren't vaccinated, I think that might help him. Kyrie Irving also had the unique distinction of playing in a location governed by New York City law that made, it, made him a trespasser if he tried to show up to Nets and Knicks games. So Rodgers doesn't have that element to it. But, but yeah, this is, this is not a con- no one wants this conversation right? This is schools, school school committees don't want this conversation. Certainly sports leagues don't.
1: Well, uh, I think the conversation though, that can now move forward, if it really isn't any controversy around was he or wasn't he, did they, did not know, whatever. But what we do know is that the Jordan Love era is here. And it's not a surprise that Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to go on the fan here for a moment and do like real sports radio stuff. And we need bells and whistles, not just sports business. But I mean, there is a bit of sports business element to the fact that the kid they drafted to ultimately take his place, it angered Aaron. There was, a, you know, there was, there was definitely bad blood, but he, you know, this could likely be his last year before we see the Jordan Love era. So we're going to get a peek at Jordan Love. Uh, the fans are going to get a peek at Jordan Love, and maybe they know what they're in for, and there are large business implications on whether or not you have a ready-made quarterback to replace Aaron Rodgers.
2: Yeah, I mean look at look what happened in New England when Jimmy Garoppolo stepped in for Tom Brady when he was suspended. That changed the trajectory of a franchise. And certainly had business implications for Jimmy Garoppolo. If he doesn't get those four starts, he doesn't get the hundred and thirty whatever million dollar contract the 49ers gave him was. So certainly for love, it's a great opportunity to make a fortune if he plays well, right? Because he's gonna this is this will be the what we'll remember about love when Rodgers comes back. And I think Scott, you're alluding to the possibility that he could take the job, conceivably, right? He could go in there and play really well and maybe snag the job. We know he's the quarterback of the future.
1: Yeah, this is like the Mo Lewis moment, right? Mo Lewis knocked out Drew Bledsoe. In came Tom Brady. This could be what brought in <laughs> Jordan Love and Le- watch him throw for five touchdown passes and all is good. But, Mike, let's switch gears a little bit to something that really is right in your lane, and that is the St. Louis Rams vNFL. Um we have something we don't often see here. We've got owners not agreeing with each other. We've got owners confused what another owner is doing. We we have them upset um, with the owner of the LA Rams. Uh, this is your wheelhouse. What do folks need to know? Give us the primer about Stan Kroenke, why other owners are upset with him, and what are the implications?
2: Yeah, so... The, the big thing here is that Stan Kroenke signed an indemnification agreement, which said, putting it really sort of bluntly, he'll pick up the legal tab for litigation involving the relocation of the Rams from St. Louis to Los Angeles. And now, from what we understand, he's walking that commitment back, saying that he's not going to honor that agreement. Now, we haven't read the agreement. There are all sorts of terms in the agreement that might be implicated. We've only heard leaks from the NFL side. So it's very possible that he and his lawyers have some credible argument to say, we did agree to pay expenses for certain things and for a certain amount of money and up to a certain amount of money. There are all sorts of variables that could be there.
0: When I first heard about this lawsuit four or five years ago, I'm I'm sure I rolled my eyes. It seems like there's a good chance that people at the NFL did as well. How much money are we – talking? if Stan has to indemnify everybody and this thing kind of continues in the trajectory it's going right now where the NFL seems to be losing a lot, there may be a big settlement coming at some point soon. I mean, are we talking tens of millions, hundreds of millions, less, more? What is probably the the paycheck that Stan is either going to pay or not going to pay associated with this at this point?
2: I think tens of millions of dollars is certainly – a number that we've seen, I mean, millions is a conservative number. I think we're probably getting into tens of millions based on how long this litigation has gone, based on the fact that every team is being sued, that there has been discovery in terms of providing materials. And also these teams use expensive lawyers. I mean, that's not an unimportant point. When you start having a billable rate that's high, it really can add up if there are a lot of hours. So it's it's clearly a, a number, Evan, that he finds objectionable. And we know his wealth. If he's finding this number objectionable, it's got to be pretty high.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing I think that confuses me so much about this. He just built a $5 billion stadium. The NFL is, a, is a, about to be a $20 billion a year revenue property. Uh, having a lawsuit that settles for tens of millions that one of the owners has to pay, to me, doesn't seem, and I get I don't have the money that Stan has, obviously, but that doesn't seem like that much money to get what is, kind of consistently becoming a thorn in the NFL side, kind of all, uh, away from their list of problems?
2: Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple things. One is that he may fear that this case is not going to settle and that it goes to trial and the NFL loses with the local jury in St. Louis and the local jury comes up with some astronomical figure for damages and the NFL says, hey, Stan, you got to pay most or, or all of this. I mean, that, that is, I'm sure he's worried about that because even with an appeal, the likelihood of the appeal getting it down to some reasonable number is not high so i imagine he's thinking that this could actually be really awful for him despite all the money that he has and then secondly i imagine he's thinking you know i'm getting blamed here i moved the franchise but the league is benefiting by having the team in los angeles it probably affected their tv negotiations it probably it gave them a team in the second largest media market it's not as if I, Stan Kroenke, is the only person who's benefiting from this. Other owners have benefited. and Also, he might say, you told me to move, I'm guessing. I'm sure he's going to say, this wasn't just my idea out of thin air. This was something that we talked about. This was a team effort. And and for a league, Evan, that has consistently said they're a single entity, that they sort of move as one, that argument, if he raises that, would be consistent with
1: that perspective. I just went to the Google. We talked about his worth. Let's just let people know that if you don't know who Stan Kroenke is, his his net worth I'm seeing here for 2021 is $10.7 billion. That's with a B, $10.7 billion. And we're talking about Tens of millions. You can do the math there.
0: Yeah, and and to go back to what Michael was saying right there, I, I've been out to to the stadium site there. They, there is a massive new NFL headquarters, the NFL West headquarters, right next to it. The NFL, as you said, was in some ways was kind of part of this move. That the pitch that that Stan had about building in Inglewood included this idea that Jerry Jones backed up that was this can be the the NFL West headquarters. It, it does seem as though maybe more so than any other relocation in NFL history, the league itself is also in some ways kind of a party and a motivator to getting this deal done as well.
2: Yeah. And if I'm St. Louis, I just love this, right? Because St. Louis can say, look, this, 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 was, this was orchestrated. There was no good faith effort to stay. You all got together to relocate the team. This was what you wanted to do. You betrayed your own constitution." Which has a requirement uh, that there's be a good faith effort to stay, and he, the city's going to say, "Look, th- this just proves the point that they didn't do that; that the NFL took no steps to enforce that rule." It's it really I mean, how damaging it is for first of all that there's that these leaks are going on. I mean, for for a league, uh, you know, that I'm sure is, is always tried to be really tight lipped. What a, what a tough stretch between the Gruden emails and everything else and Jeffrey Pash's emails and now this. I mean, they, they really,
1: their ship is, has quite a few leaks. So if I'm a football fan in St. Louis, I don't have a team anymore. I used to have the Cardinals. If I'm walking around downtown St. Louis with a Neil Lomax or Roy Green jersey on, those are, those are way before Evan's time. I think he learned it on our last podcast. But if I'm, the, you know, if I'm the big fan and all I want is a football team, right? Uh, am I rooting... For the NFL to prevail here, or am I rooting for Stan Kroenke to prevail here?
2: I am. If I, I well, I would say rooting uh, in terms of well, with St. Louis. I'm sure I would say they're going to root for St. Louis to win the lawsuit. But I would say among the defendants, I think they're going to root for Stan Kroenke, right? Okay. I, I, I imagine that would be their tactic. Because then the NFL is going to say, "Look, we've got to resolve this. Maybe it makes them more likely to to throw a franchise back at St. Louis." But I think that they're their goal is to say let's run up the score let's get a jury in there that's going to be really favorable to St. Louis let's have them impose some you know billion dollar damage number and then maybe the NFL negotiates and uh, it preempts the appeal and it decides to put a team in St. Louis that's what they really want right
0: C- correct me if I'm wrong Michael, when when the Raiders left Oakland, there was a, a lawsuit of some sort associated with that as, as well. Is this a just a very unique situation in in LA or has the LA County and City kind of struck on a, a winning legal argument about the NFL's relocation kind of in a in a much broader sense?
2: Yeah, so the when Al Davis moved the Raiders from Oakland to Los Angeles, the at the time the NFL's relocation policy didn't contain these criteria that there would be a good faith effort to stay, that there would be these other indexes that are used to decide if it's a good idea. Basically, Al Davis said, "This there's no rhyme or reason. You're just telling me I can't move, that you're not actually giving me any sort of substantive explanation. So in response to losing that lawsuit, the NFL adopted these criteria. Fast forward to this situation with the Rams. the St. Louis is saying, you didn't apply the criteria.
1: But from a sports business perspective, and and Eben, you and I discuss this a lot, sort of the proper use of public funds. And we already know that in Las Vegas, taxpayers uh, gave $750 million, the largest public subsidy ever, for a sports facility for the Raiders. And as Brendan Coffey has dug up that they've twice had to tap their reserve fund already because it was based on tourism. uh, And of course, COVID killed that. Uh, But it was election day earlier in the week. And there were a bunch of sports subsidies questions on ballots, and a lot of them got no's from voters. And And I wonder if seeing things like this and seeing the, the repetitive uh, team picking up and leaving as much as you hear. And, and we've talked about this when owners say, oh, we're just caretakers. These are public trusts, right? We're just caretakers. It drives me crazy. I wonder if we are really inching closer to the time when it's really, really going to be difficult for owners. And the Buffalo Bills are doing it right now, right? The Buffalo Bills want a new facility. Um, they want public money. It, are we getting to the time where uh, municipalities and taxpayers are just saying, we love the team, but forget it. You make enough money, build it yourself.
2: Yeah. No, I I, I think we are reaching that point, And I think voters are concerned about all sorts of things, right? I mean, this is certainly a part of it is going to be that why are we paying for stadiums when the owners are worth 10 billion dollars right it's just it's hard to make a credible argument that the city needs to chip in other than the city feeling like they have to because if they don't some other city will get the team and i wonder if we see another relocation if maybe scott that that polling data changes right because people might be reminded that if you don't build the stadium you could lose your team. We haven't had that uh, at least very recently happen.
0: I'll be curious that the NFL for so long, obviously kind of dangled the carrot of Los Angeles residency as a way of kind of leveraging local markets to, you know, to pay up for subsidies for, for stadiums. Now that there are two teams in LA that is a saturated NFL market, maybe it's London. It doesn't seem like the NFL has quite has the same kind of leverage point city to point to and say, okay, if you don't want to help us build a stadium here, we'll just move the bills to, to this place. It seems like they've lost that to some degree. I'm curious to see if that, if that continues, Michael, real quick, before we leave the NFL, you mentioned kind of the, the Gruden, uh, Gruden gate or email gate uh, what's going on right now. Can you give us the latest on, on where that stands? There seems to be Roger Goodell was in New York last week uh, said publicly, not going to release the the emails or details of the uh, of the investigation into the Washington football teams uh, the, the culture in their office. But it seems like there is now getting to be a steady drumbeat of people who were interviewed for that exact investigation now saying they want their account to be out there publicly where Where does it stand right now in, in, in another kind of legal headache right now for the league?
2: Yeah. So what Goodell said is probably technically true in that they gave assurances of confidentiality to the witnesses and that if they breach those assurances, they the NFL could be sued for potentially breach of contract, detrimental reliance. It could affect them in future investigations. But as you said, Evan, there are witnesses, at least people that have purportedly witnesses or identifying as witnesses have said that they would like their stories told. Now, we don't know the details of that, we don't know. You know, the NFL could say, "Well, you say that, but how many details do you want out there? Do you want certain pieces of information redacted?" So know to give the NFL side, they're going to say it's a more complicated sort of uh, equation for them than simply turning everything over. Uh, so, but we know that members of Congress want them to turn everything over, and they've given them a deadline of this week.
0: Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about about this whole thing is that essentially the same day that Roger came out and said that the NHL released its investigation into the Blackhawks in a manner that did both protect the confidentiality of the people who spoke, but also very clearly stated what was found as part of that investigation. It does seem like there is a a middle ground there in which the people's identities are protected, but the information they're sharing gets publicized and the NHL's version of that actually seemed to be a very clear example of, of a way to do that, maybe satisfying both these sides.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a great point. I mean, th- this is the use of redactions, right? That you simply redact some information from a document. It happens all the time. It's not an all or nothing type of proposition. And as you noted, Evan, the NHL's approach seems to have been effective in, in terms of telling us what awful things happened without betraying assurances of confidentiality, whereas the NFL here has said we can't release anything, which strikes me as a sort of unreasonable position, even if the league can credibly say that it's worried about potentially being sued if it goes down that road.
1: What I can credibly say is that there will be no shortage of things for you to write about (laughs) in not only the weeks to come, but months to come and years to come as owners wind up turning on each other and teams are relocating and executives are just, uh, I I can, it's hard to state what went on in Chicago and turning a blind eye because, you know, darn it, we got to win the Stanley cup. Uh, He is Mike McCann, our guest at McCann sports law on Twitter. Is that right? At McCann sports law, doing it by memory, Mike. Good. I got it. The other guy is Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. Mike, where do you stand on the underscore in the Twitter handle? I I despise it. You?
2: Yeah. I mean, I mean, no offense to anyone who has it, but I, I'm just not an underscore person. I find it hard to type. Like, it's not, it's not a sort of... Yes. Right? Yes,
1: yes. Why not put a speed bump on the track? Why don't you? you? Your criticism,
0: <laughs> yeah. Scott, has yeah. never bothered me, but hearing it come from Mike, that hurts. That uh, yeah, hurts. I'm going to say,
1: this has got to sting. You can That's ignore nice. Sashnik all you want, Evan, but you are not going to ignore the Yeah, Can I say, it's there.
0: not about the look
2: of it. It's just like the, the having to type it. I always find it hard to type an underscore. So it's really the- just a functional thing.
1: It is just abject inconsideration for one's fans, for one's friends, for one's co-workers. He just doesn't care enough to make things easy on us. Unbelievable. Anyway, our social media editor is Core Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show is at Sporticast, which is the hub of what will very soon become the Sportico Podcast Network.